ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Today's chapter starts with the topic of facing the qibla when making dua. Facing the qibla when making dua. Istiqbalu al-da'i al-qiblata. Inna min adab al-dua an yastaqbil al-da'i al-qiblata waqta du'aih. From the etiquettes of making dua is that you should face the qibla when making dua. ذَلِكَ أَنَّ الْقِبْلَةَ هِيَ الْجِهَةُ الْفَاضِلَةُ الَّتِي أُمِرَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ بِالْاتِّجَاهِ إِلَيْهَا فِي عِبَادَتِهِمْ And that is because the qibla is the preferred direction. That is the direction of preference. That the Muslims have been commanded to face. It is the virtuous direction that the Muslims have been commanded to face in their worship. فَكَمَا أَنَّهَا قِبْلَةٌ لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ فَهِيَ قِبْلَةٌ لَهُمْ فِي الدُّعَاءِ So just like the qibla. Is the direction the Muslims have to pr- uh, face in prayer, then it is also the direction that you should face when making dua. وَقَدْ ثَبَتَ إِسْتِقْبَالُ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ لِلْقِبْلَةِ عِنْدَ دُعَائِهِ فِي أَحَدِيثَ عَدِيدَةِ And it has been established from multiple narrations that the Prophet ﷺ used to face the Kaaba, the Qibla direction, when making dua. From those narrations is what Al-Bukhari and Muslim reported in their books, Sahih Al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. From the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu qal Istaqbala al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-Ka'bata Fada'a ala nafarin min Quraysh Ala Shaybah ibn Rabi'ah Wa Utbah ibn Rabi'ah Wal Walid ibn Uqbah وأبي جهل ابن هشام فأشهد بالله فأشهد بالله لقد رأيتهم صرعا قد غيرتهم الشمس وكان يوما حارا. This narration highlights Ibn Mas'ud رضي الله عنه says that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم faced the Kaaba 
and then made dua upon three individuals from Quraysh or upon a number of individuals from Quraysh. Notice then at the beginning of the narration he says, the messenger faced the Qibla, the Kaaba, and then made the dua upon those individuals from Quraysh. And their names were mentioned there, Shaybah ibn Rabi'ah, Utbah ibn Rabi'ah, Al-Walid ibn Uqbah, and Abi Jahl ibn Hisham. And then Ibn Mas'ud says he saw the impact of the dua upon them. What happened to them? He mentions what occurred to them from the impact of the dua. Also, خَرَّجَ Muslim فِي صَحِيحِهِ مِنْ حَدِيثِ عُمَرِ بْنَ الْخَطَّابِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ لَمَّا كَانَ يَوْمَ بَدْرِ نَظَرَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ إِلَى الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَهُمْ أَلْفٌ وَأَصْحَابُهُ ثَلَاثُمِئَةِ وَتِسْعَةَ عَشَرَ ثَلَاثُمِئَةٍ وَتِسْعَةَ عَشَرَ رَجُلًا فَاسْتَقْبَلَ نَبِيُّ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ الْقِبْلَةَ ثُمَّ مَدَّ يَدَيْهِ فَجَعَلَ يَهْتَفُ بِرَبِّهِ اللَّهُمَّ أَنْجِزْ لِي مَا وَعَدْتَنِي اللهم آت ما وعدتني اللهم إن تهلك هذه العصابة من أهل الإسلام لا تعبد في الأرض فما زال يهتف بربه مادا يديه مستقبل القبلة حتى سقط رداؤه عمن كبيه فأتاه أبو بكر فأخذ رداءه فألقاه على منكبيه ثم التزمه من ورائه وقال يا نبي الله كفاك مناشدتك ربك ومناشدتك ربك فإنه سينجز لك ما وعدك فأنزل الله عز وجل إذ تستغيثون ربكم فاستجاب لكم أني ممدكم بألف من الملائكة مردفين فأمده الله بالملائكة This حديث in صحيح مسلم حديث عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله عنه he said when it was the battle of Badr, on that day when the battle of Badr was going to occur, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam looked at the mushrikun, their army. And they were a thousand. He looked at their army and they were a thousand in number. And his own companions, his army, were only 319. In this narration it mentions 319. In some other narrations there are slight differences in the number. 
But in this version of Sahih Muslim, it mentions when the messenger looked at his own army, his companions, they were 319 men only. Compared to the thousand that he saw from the mushrikun opposite. So then Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu, uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab rather, radiyallahu anhu mentions, فَاسْتَقْبَلَ نَبِيُّ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عِسَلَّمَ الْقِبْلَةَ So after seeing that, that the mushrikun have a thousand strong army, and he has only 310 odd, 319, he then faced the qibla, the messenger then faced the qibla, and stretched out his hands, to make dua, faced the qibla, and stretched out his hands, and then began calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that, O oh Allah, execute for me what you promised me. And, O oh my Lord, give me what you promised me. And, O oh Allah, if this group, meaning his companions, if we are destroyed, if this group from the people of Islam are destroyed, then you will not be worshipped upon this earth. Meaning that group of them, that was it. That was it. If we are destroyed, then we're finished. So he was making dua to Allah. Give me what you promised me, my Lord. Oh Allah, if this group of the Muslims we are destroyed, then you will not be worshipped upon this earth. And he continued calling upon Allah with his hands outstretched. Facing the qibla to the extent that his, like a shawl, the cloth fell off his shoulders. His, like you call a shawl, the type of cloth, it fell off his shoulders. And so when that fell off his shoulders, Abu Bakr came, radiallahu anhu, and he picked that up, that shawl type of thing, and put it back onto the shoulders of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and remained standing there behind the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then he mentioned, Abu Bakr said to the Prophet sallallahu indeed your Lord, indeed Allah will answer your dua, and he will uh, give you what he promised you, and that's when the ayah was then revealed, إِذْ تَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ That when you were seeking that aid and assistance from your Lord, فَاسْتَجَابَ لَكُمْ And he answered you, أَنِّي مُمِدُّكُمْ بِأَلْفٍ مِنَ الْمَلَائِكَةِ مُرْدِفِينَ that I will extend for you, to give you a thousand from the angels. And it mentions, فَأَمَدَّهُ اللَّهُ بِالْمَلَائِكَةِ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala aided them with the angels. So the point of that narration in Sahih Muslim of Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiyallahu anhu, talking about the battle of Badr, when the messenger saw the size of their army, a thousand of them, and they were only a third of that, three hundred and odd, 
He then faced the Qibla, stretched out his hands and began making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's another clear proof for facing the Qibla when making dua. Another narration in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, hadith of Abdullah ibn Zayd, قال خرج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إلى هذا المصلى يستسقي فدعا واستسقى ثم استقبل القبلة وقلب رداءه. This one talks about an incident where the Prophet ﷺ was making dua for the rain, for the rain to occur, the rain prayer. And he mentions that he went out to that particular area to make that uh, rain prayer dua, to make the rain prayer, and that he istakbal al-qibla, that he then faced towards the qibla, and he uh, uh, turned over his his garment, his shawl type of thing. So again, the point of the narration being, ثُمَّ اسْتَقْبَلَ الْقِبْلَةِ Then he faced the Qibla. وَثَبَتَ كَذَلِكَ اِسْتِقْبَالُ الْقِبْلَةِ فِي الدُّعَاءِ فِي الْحَجِّ عَلَى الصَّفَى وَالْمَرْوَةِ وَفِي عَرَفَةِ وَعِنْدَ الْمَشْعَرِ الْحَرَامِ وَعِنْدَ الْجَمْرَةِ الْأُولَى وَالثَّانِيَةِ Also, there are evidences regarding facing the Kaaba when making dua from the narrations that talk about the Hajj of the Prophet sallam. When the Prophet sallam did the farewell Hajj, Hajjatul Wida'a, then there are several incidents during that hajj where the messenger made dua and it mentions in those incidents that he made the dua whilst facing the qibla so for example when he was doing the sa'i between safa and marwa every time you get to one of them you're supposed to stop face the Qibla and make dua. Then you get to Marwa, stop, face the Qibla, make dua. Back to Safa, stop, face the Qibla, make dua. It's in the Sunnah. Safa, Marwa, each time stop on each one, face the Qibla and make dua. Similarly, when he was in Arafah, in the narrations it mentions him facing the Qibla. When making the dua, and uh, uh, when he was at al-mash'ar al-haram, and when he was at the stoning, after you stone the first pillar, then you stop, face towards the qibla and make dua. Then you stone the second pillar, stop, face the qibla and make dua. Then after the third pillar, there is no dua. But after the first two, stop and face the qibla and make dua. So all those examples during Hajj, the Prophet ﷺ faced the Qibla when making dua. وَأَنَّ ذَلِكَ أَفْضَلْ 
وأكمل للداعي على أن ذلك ليس لازما ولا واجبا في الدعاء Facing the qibla when you make dua is not an obligation. It's not like it's a condition of the dua, you have to face the qibla. But obviously it is far better and superior that you face the qibla when making dua. Just like the qibla is the direction for your worship, your prayer, It is the direction for you to make your dua when calling upon Allah to be facing that way and with your hands raised up above, knowing Allah is above, but facing in the direction of the qibla. That is better and superior for the dua. It is more uh, uh, of a perfection for your dua and better for your dua, for the one making the dua, that he does it facing the qibla. لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ثبت عنه أنه دعا وهو غير مستقبل القبلة. Why do we say that it's not an obligation? Even though we've just said in Hajj, all of those examples, the messenger made dua facing the qibla. In the battle of Badr, the messenger made dua facing the qibla. That time when the messenger made dua against those individuals from Quraysh facing the qibla. So how can we say that it's not an obligation? Because there are some narrations, there are some, or there is at least one, where the Prophet ﷺ made dua and he was not facing the qibla. There is a narration where the Prophet ﷺ made dua And he was not facing the Qibla. وَقَدْ عَقَدَ الْإِمَامُ الْبُخَارِيُّ فِي كِتَابِ الدَّعْوَاتِ مِنْ صَحِيحِهِ بَابًا بِعُنْوَانِ الدُّعَاءِ غَيْرِ مُسْتَقْبِلِ الْقِبْلَةِ And in Sahih al-Bukhari, there is a chapter in fact, where Imam al-Bukhari uh, titled that chapter, Uh, the chapter of making dua without facing the qibla. There's a chapter in Sahih al-Bukhari. And within that chapter, he mentioned the hadith of Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu anhu. The hadith of Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu anhu. He said, Bayna al-Nabiyu, صلى الله عليه وسلم يخطب يوم الجمعة فقام رجل فقال يا رسول الله ادعو الله أن يسقينا فتغيمت السماء ومطرنا حتى ما كاد الرجل يصل إلى منزله فلم تزل تمطر إلى الجمعة المقبلة فقام ذلك الرجل أغيره فقال ودعوا الله أن يصرفه عنا فقد غرقنا فقال اللهم حوالينا ولا علينا 
فجعل السحاب يتقطع حول المدينة ولا يمطر أهل المدينة So like we said, Al-Imam Al-Bukhari has a chapter where he said making dua without facing the qibla. In that chapter he mentioned this hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu where he said the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whilst he was doing the Jum'ah khutbah one day, one Friday, the messenger was delivering the Jum'ah khutbah. Obviously when the khatib, the imam is delivering the khutbah, is he facing the qibla or away from the qibla? Away from the qibla, when you stood on the mimbar, you're facing the people, you're not facing the qibla, qibla is behind you. So the messenger, one day he was giving the khutbah on a Friday on the mimbar, Therefore, he was facing away from the qibla. He was facing the congregation. And a man stood up and said, O Messenger of Allah, there was a drought at that time. A man stood up and said, O Messenger of Allah, make dua to Allah that Allah gives us rain. So the Messenger made the dua and the clouds, they gathered and it began raining and raining and raining. Until the man could barely even get home. So much rain everywhere, flood water, rain, rain, rain. And it continued raining and raining and raining non-stop till the next Friday. Seven days after a drought, upon the dua of the messenger being answered, rained and rained and rained. And it mentions in some of the other narrations how so much rain started to cause harm to them in Medina. Like flooding everywhere and the, the, the cattle couldn't eat the grass. It was under water and it was becoming difficult. Too much water. And the affair was becoming difficult. The roads and the livestock and other things. So then the next Jum'ah after seven days of rain, rain, rain. The man or another man came to the messenger again. And said, Oh Allah, uh, oh messenger. Oh messenger, make dua to Allah. That the rain is taken aside from us. That the rain is taken away from us. Because we're drowning. So then the messenger made dua that, Oh Allah, make it around us, not on us. Make it around us, close by here and there we have water, but not on us. So then it's mentioned upon that dua being answered, the clouds started to separate the clouds began to separate around Medina rather than right on top of Medina. The point of that hadith is, and this is why Al-Imam Al-Bukhari is praised so much. The scholars, they say, look at how sharp he is in how he gives evidences. This hadith is about the drought and about dua and about the dua being answered. It's got nothing to do with facing the qibla directly. Yet Al-Imam Al-Bukhari is quoting the hadith under the chapter about making dua not facing the Kaaba. Because in this narration the messenger made those duas whilst he was giving the khutbah. That's when the man did it. So when he was giving the khutbah he was obviously facing 
away from the qibla and he made the dua. Nothing in the narration about him turning around or anything. Where he was giving the khutbah, facing away from the qibla, he made the dua. So this indicates it is possible and it is correct for a person to make the dua without facing the qibla, meaning it's not a condition. It is not a condition, but of course, like we said, it is superior and better and perfects your dua. It's a great mistake amongst some people that when you tell them something isn't a condition, then all of a sudden they just don't do it. Just because something isn't a condition, it could still be something that is preferable. It is still something preferable and better and superior. And that's the case here. It's not a condition that you have to be facing the qibla when making dua. But it is far better and superior and a perfection for your dua to be facing the qibla when making it. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he mentioned, وَلِهَذَا كَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ إِذَا اجْتَهَدَ فِي الدُّعَى يَسْتَقْبِلُهَا كَمَا فَعَلَهُ فِي أَثْمَاءِ الْإِسْتِسْقَاءِ الَّذِي رَفَعَ فِيهِ يَدَيْهِ رَفْعًا تَامًا فَعَنْ عِبَادْ ابن تميم عَنْ عَمِّهِ أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم خرج بالناس يستسقي فصلى بهم ركعتين جهر بالقراءة فيهما وحول رداءه ورفع يديه فدعا واستسقى واستقبل القبلة رواه الجماعة أهل الصحاح والسنن والمسانيد كالبخاري ومسلم وداود والترمذ والنسائي شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية سيد and due to this, meaning due to your dua being superior when you face the qibla, due to this, the messenger used to strive in making the dua and facing the qibla to do it. Just as he did in that narration when the drought was happening, not the khutbah one, the other narration we mentioned earlier on, when one time there was a drought and the messenger made the dua, and he faced the qibla when he did it. Shaykh al-Islam is quoting that hadith, that the messenger went out to pray the rain prayer. He prayed two raka'at, read out loud, and changed the direction of his uh, shawl. And then he raised his hands and made the dua for the rain. al-qibla, And he was facing the qibla. فَأَخْبَرَ أَنَّهُ اسْتَقْبَلَ الْقِبْلَةَ الَّتِي هِيَ قِبْلَةُ الصَّلَاةِ فِي أَثْنَاءِ دُعَاءِ الْإِسْتِسْقَاءِ So it's mentioned in this hadith how he faced the qibla, which is the qibla that you face in prayer during the dua for the rain that he made. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah also said, إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ مُجْمِعُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْقِبْلَةَ الَّتِي يُشْرَعُ لِلْدَّاعِ اسْتِقْبَالُهَا حِينَ الدُّعَىٰ هِيَ الْقِبْلَةُ الَّتِي شُرِعَ اسْتِقْبَالُهَا حِينَ الصَّلَىٰ That the Muslims are agreed upon the fact 
that the qibla which is legislated for the person making dua to face is the same qibla direction that you face when praying. فَكَذَلِكَ هِيَ الَّتِي شُرِعَ اسْتِقْبَالُهَا حِينَ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ كَمَا تُسْتَقْبَلْ بِعَرَفَ وَالْمُزْدَلِفَ وَعَلَى صَفَ وَالْمَرْوَى And also when doing the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be facing sitting that way, the direction of the qibla. And also in arafa when making the dua and muzdalifa and on safa and marwa. In all of those instances to be facing the qibla when making the dua. وَكَمَا يُسْتَحَبُّ لِكُلِّ ذَاكِرٍ لِلَّهِ وَدَاعٍ أَنْ يَسْتَقْبِلَ الْقِبْلَةَ And it is recommended, mustahab, that you should face the qibla. Everybody who's doing remembrance of Allah, dhikr, face the qibla. And when you're making dua, face the qibla. كَمَا ثَبَتَ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَنَّهُ كَانَ قَدْ يَقْصُدُ أَنْ يَسْتَقْبِلَ الْقِبْلَةَ حِينَ الدُّعَى So it is mentioned, the Prophet ﷺ used to try and make sure he was facing the qibla when making the dua. كَذَلِكَ هِيَ اللَّاتِ يُشْرَعْ إِسْتِقْبَالُهَا بِتَوَجُّهِ الْمَيِّتِ إِلَيْهَا وَتَوْجِيهِ النسائك والذبائح إليها. Also, when a person dies and you bury him, where are you supposed to face him towards? The qibla. And when you do a sacrifice, where are you supposed to face the animal towards? The qibla. وهي التي ينهى عن استقبالها بالبول الغائب. And on the other end of things, on the other side of things. When you use the toilet, you're not supposed to be facing the qibla. It's in the sunnah not to face the qibla when using the toilet. Of course, people they ask these days, the toilets in your houses, it's sometimes facing that way. Not much you can do about it, the toilet is facing that way. So some of the scholars have said, like uh, al-Sheikh al-Fawzan, Allah ta'ala, that in a house where that toilet is blocked off, it's in a bathroom, walled off, there's walls in front of it, even if it's facing the Kaaba, then right in front of you there's the wall of the bathroom, or the door of the bathroom, you're blocked in. There's a block in front of you. Then in that case, the scholar said it's okay, it doesn't count uh, as the hadith is in reference to openly facing towards the Qibla. Like when uh, people have to uh, use the toilet outside, you go to some deserted place or some quiet place, like you do in certain countries even now. Then in those open spaces, when you sit to use the toilet then, in that concealed location, you should not be facing the Qibla. But in your home, and neither should you have your back to it. You should face to the right or to the left. Neither face it, nor completely the other way with your back to it, but rather to the side or to the side. But in your home, if the toilet happens to be built in that direction, the scholars like Sheikh Fawzan said, it's not a problem because you're blocked in, uh, right in front of you. That direction is closed off now with the wall. So inshallah, that is not the issue then. فَلَيْسَ لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ بَلْ وَلَا لِغَيْرِهِمْ 
قبلتان أصلا في العبادات التي هي من جنسين كالصلاة والنسك فضلا عن العبادات التي هي من جنس واحد وبعضها متصل ببعض فإن الصلاة فيها الدعاء في الفاتحة وغيرها So there's no such thing as two different qiblas. There's no such thing as two different qiblas. And in fact, dua is a part of your prayer. Within prayer you make dua. And that is of course towards the qibla. So outside of the prayer when you make dua, it is to be done towards the qibla. Uh, and sammallahu في كتابه صلاة دعاء in Arabic can actually be called صلاح the word صلاح صلاة prayer actually comes from the root word of meaning دعاء means دعاء like in the ayah وصلي عليهم إن صلاتك سكن لهم صلي عليهم in Surah At-Tawbah 103 actually means make دعاء for them not pray upon them. So that is the root meaning of the word in Arabic anyway. So the point is, Shaykh al-Islam is highlighting that you face towards the Qibla when making dua, just as you face towards the Qibla when praying. وَقَدْ ذَكَرَ ذَلِكَ فِي سَيَاقِ رَدِّهِ عَلَى مَنْ يُنْكِرُ عُلُوَ اللَّهِ كَالْجَهْمِيَّةِ وَمَنْ تَأَثَّرَ بِهِ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْأَهْوَى حَيْثُ يَزْعُمُونَ أَنَّ رَفْعَ الْأَيْدِي فِي الدُّعَى إِلَى الْعُلُوِّ إِنَّمَا يُشْرَعُ لِأَنَّ السَّمَاءَ قِبْلَةُ الدُّعَى كَمَا أَنَّ الْكَعْبَةَ قِبْلَةُ الصَّلَاةِ He also highlighted or refuted those deviants who reject the highness of Allah that Allah is above like the jahmiyyah and the people of desires who were influenced by the Jahmiyyah into thinking that Allah is not above, etc. So why did they still used to raise their hands? Because some of them upon their deviation used to say, when you pray the Qibla, for prayer is Mecca, the Kaaba. And they used to say the Qibla of Dua is the sky. Not because Allah is above, just because that's the qibla for dua. Like Mecca, the haram, is the qibla for prayer. The sky is the qibla for your dua. Not because they believe Allah is above, but it's just the qibla. That's the direction you have to make dua. But of course we know that's not the reason that you raise your hands upwards. Rather you raise your hands upwards because Allah is above. And you do not actually make your dua in the direction of upwards. Your actual direction is towards the Kaaba. So there, this is incorrect for them to say the sky is the Qibla for dua. There is only one Qibla, Mecca, Haram. That is the Qibla there, Al-Masjid Al-Haram. It is not the Qibla to say that the sky is the Qibla. Wal-Maqsood anna Qiblata al-Muslimina fi dua hiya Qiblatuhum fi salah so the point is that the qibla of the Muslims in dua is the same qibla in prayer. أَمَّا رَفْعُهُمْ لِأَيْدِيهِمْ عِنْدَ الدُّعَى إِلَى السَّمَاءِ فَلِأَنَّ رَبَّهُمُ الَّذِي يَدْعُونَهُ يَسْأَلُونَهُ يَرْجُونَهُ يَطْمَعُونَ فِي نَيْلِ ثَوَابِهِ 
ورحمته ويخافونه في سمائه مستوين على عرشه بائن من خلقه So then what if a person says if the qibla is to the Kaaba then why not do all of your direction to the qibla and your hands to the qibla as well why the hands go upwards then why are you saying your direction is to the qibla but your hands are going upwards because the qibla is only one there's no such thing as two qibla so you must be facing that but the hands going up we already mentioned in the last lesson because we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the one that you are making dua to and hoping from and seeking for your dua to be answered is established above the throne istawa ala al-arsh is above and separate from the creation and he is the dua of the one who calls upon him as allah said ar-rahman ala al-arsh istawa له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وما بينهما وما تحت الثرى وإن تجهر بالقول فإنه يعلم السر وما وأخفى الله لا إله إلا هو له الأسماء الحسنى هي الله منشنز الرحمن على العرش استوى ذر الله سبحانه وتعالى الرحمن rose above the throne is established above the throne and then later on it mentions, وَإِن تَجْهَرْ بِالْقَوْلِ فَإِنَّهُ يَعْلَمُ سِرَّ وَأَخْفَى That even if you speak up, Allah knows everything, what is secret and hidden as well. Even if you don't speak up, speak up or not, Allah knows uh, what is hidden and secret also. So all of that is heard by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That chapter therefore was highlighting the evidences from the sunnah that when you make dua, you should face the qibla then we'll just mention one more section briefly inna min dawabit ad-du'a al-muhimma wa adabihi al-'adhima an yuqaddima al-muslimu bayna yaday du'aihi al-thana ala rabbihi bima huwa ahluhu min 'ut al-jalal wa sifat al-'adhamati wal-kamal وذكر جوده وفضله وكرمه وعظيم عامه وذلك أنه أبلغ ما يكون في حال السائل والطالب ثناءه على ربه وحمده له وتمجيده وذكر نعمه وآلائه وجعل ذلك كله بين يدي مسألته وصيلة للقبول ومفتاحا للإجابة Another important etiquette when making dua is that when you start your dua you're not supposed to go straight into your dua. You're supposed to begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first. From the etiquettes of dua is that you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mention the beautiful names and attributes of Allah, mention the great generosity and kindness of Allah upon you, and your poverty before your Lord, you mention those affairs. Mention that praise to Allah to begin with. Then after that, you go into your dua. And by doing it like that, it is more likely to be answered again. That you start with the praises of Allah to begin with, then go into your particular dua. وَمَنْ يَتَأَمَّلُ الْأَدْعِيَةَ الْوَارِدَةَ فِي الْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّةِ يَجِدُ كَثِيرًا مِنْهَا مَبْدُؤًا بِالثَّنَاءِ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَعَدْتِ and if you look at 
the different narrations where it mentions the messenger making dua, you will notice that many of them, they always mention the wording the messenger used, and the wording in most of them, in many of them, starts with praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The messenger would start the dua by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first, and by mentioning the great blessings of Allah upon you first, recognizing the great blessings of Allah upon you, the virtue of Allah upon you, mentioning the names and attributes of Allah by calling upon Him. That is what the Messenger used to do to begin with. Recognize and acknowledge the great blessings of Allah upon Him. وَمِنْ مِنَ الْأَمْثِلَةِ عَلَى ذَلِكَ الدُّعَاءَ الْعَظِيمَ الَّذِي اشْتَمَلَتْ عَلَيْهِ سُورَةَ الْفَاتِحَةِ الَّتِي هِيَ أَعْظَمُ سُورِ الْقُرْآنِ الْكَرِيمِ أَجَلُّهَا الْاشْتِمَالِ عَلَى أَجَلِّ الْمَطَالِبِ الْعَالِيَةِ وَعَلَى الْمَقَاصِدِ الْجَلِيلَةِ قَالَ شَيْخُ الْإِسْلَامِ بْنُ تَيْمِيَةَ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ وَلِهَذَا كَانَ أَنْفَعُ الدُّعَاءِ وَأَعْظَمُهُ وَأَحْكَمُهُ دُعَاءُ الْفَاتِحَةِ فَإِنَّهُ إِذَا هَدَاهُ هَذَا الصِّرَاطُ أَعَانَهُ عَلَى طَاعَتِهِ وَتَرْكِ مَعْصِيَتِهِ فَلَمْ يُصِبْهُ شَرٌ لَا فِي الدُّنْيَا وَلَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ Shaykh al-Islam says one of the greatest du'as that you can mention, one of the greatest uh, du'as that you can mention, or one of the greatest openings that you can mention, is the Fatiha itself. Al-Fatiha has within it some great meanings, and some pr- great amount of praise, Upon Allah, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'een, and then, Ihdina Sirat Al-Mustaqeem, Sirat Al-Ladheena An'amta Alayhim, Ghayr Al-Maghdubi Alayhim Al-Adhalim. It has within it a great degree of dua, of asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has within it at the beginning a great deal of praise, upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is an example, where the end of Al-Fatiha has the dua, you're asking Allah to guide you to the straight path, but it doesn't begin with that, it begins with the first few ayat, which are praise upon Allah first, that's the example. That Al-Fatiha is an example of this, where you begin with praise first, and then go into your dua that you want to ask for. So you're asking to be guided to the straight path, but before you do that, you're praising Allah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin. All of that is praise upon Allah and mentioning the names and attributes of Allah. Then you go into the dua asking for guidance. Mimma huwa sababun So that starting of Fatiha, with the praise of Allah is a reason for the acceptance of the dua that comes at the end of Al-Fatiha. So that is the key to your dua being accepted. And that's why it mentions in the famous hadith of Abu Huraira in Muslim, where he says, I heard the messenger sallallahu say that Allah said, قَسَمْتُ الصَّلَاةَ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَ عَبْدِ That I have split the prayer between uh, myself and my servant into two halves. وَلِعَبْدِ مَا سَأَلْ And my servant will have what he asks for. So when the servant says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, 
Allah says, my servant has praised me. And when the servant says, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Allah says, my servant has done the praise of me again, Athna alayya. And when the servant says, Maliki Yawmiddin, Allah says, Majjadani Abdi, my servant has extolled me. My servant has extolled me. وَقَالَ مَرَّ فَوَّضَ إِلَيَّ عَبْدِي And in one occasion he said, My servant has uh, put his affairs into the trust with me. So then, after that, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Allah says, this is between me and my servant. And my servant will have whatever he asks for. And then what does the servant ask for? إِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Guide us to the straight path. All of the rest of the ayat, Sirat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim ghayri al-maghdubi alayhim al-adhalin. And Allah says, هَذَا لِعَبْدِي وَلِعَبْدِي مَا سَأَلْ This is for my servant, and my servant will have what he asks for. This is why it's important to understand the sunnah. If a person understood that narration and remembered that narration when he prays, then his Fatiha, when he reads it, will have a far greater impact when he's reading it, as opposed to someone who doesn't even know this, doesn't know the narration that Allah has split this between the servant and himself, and my servant will have whatever he asks for. So that is another etiquette from the etiquette of making dua, that a person begins by mentioning the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first, then going into the actual du'a second. That's the chapter we'll stop on for today then, and we'll continue with the chapters after that, with more etiquettes of du'a, and some innovations people fall into with du'a, from the next time, inshallah ta'ala, 8.30 next week.